Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. That's where you get um, deeper, better results is really kind of focusing on on the strategy first and thinking about where the brand is going to be positioned, looking at the competitive landscape, um, extracting out those insights at the early stages to then inform a visual language that comes later that's underpinned by the strategy so you don't get this trend-driven or superfluous sort of creative outcome. Great to be back with you here, as always. Following our fresh podcast rebrand, we've now updated our promotional package prospectus, which you'll find in our show notes and on our website at humansofpurpose.com. Our promotional packages enable values-aligned people and their organizations to reach our growing audience, translating to over 10,000 episode listens per month in Australia and globally, as well as our growing social media community. Our demographic is primarily 25 to 44-year-olds who are senior leaders in their organization and more or less based in urban centers across Australia. As part of our social enterprise model, we limit these promotional spots to 10 out of 50 each year to fund the podcast and have just a few spots remaining for the year. You can learn more about this limited opportunity and get in touch in our show notes. As a keen listener, if you want a bit more Humans of Purpose each and every week, we are now into the last few days of our winter sale with 30% off our monthly and annual memberships. With membership, you'll get every episode ad-free, a bonus audio note on each guest, a full transcript of each episode, as well as my top five insights from each episode and more. Follow the link in our show notes to sign up. We are proud to be sponsored by the great folk at Neon Treehouse, who are still the best digital agency on the planet Earth. They do all our marketing and socials and are doing a fantastic job for a great cause. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Andrew Kuypers, Creative Director of A1 Studios, to the podcast. A1 Studios is a Melbourne-based full-service design studio specialising in brand identities, art direction and photography. They help brands launch, evolve, grow and stand out in an ever-changing landscape. Andrew, or A1 as I lovingly refer to him, is a terrific bloke whose work and approach are simply stunning. I sit about three metres away from the great man and am regularly mesmerised with the wonderfully creative and graphical works he's working on. He's a very laid-back fellow, and we've had many an enjoyable movie marathon, carpool into the commons together, and hipster lunch too. When him and Dean Jacobson enter the commons wearing only white and black monochrome shades, carrying trendy ceramic coffee cups and sleek work bags, you know they mean business. I hope you enjoy my conversation with A1 as much as I did. Well, um, it's very rare that the person on the podcast is the one who drives you in in the morning as is part of an in, intimate little carpool, but welcome, Andrew, to the podcast. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. Normally, you go by A1, but I think today we'll stick with Andrew. Would that suit you? Sounds good, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Great to be with you. I'm part of your morning routine now. I feel like I know when you drive in, what kind of parking spots you go for, when you like to consume cereal, just the whole works, <laughs> mate. We got the routines down in the morning. It's a, kind of cute. Yeah. You've got We've got you, me, and um, old Dean, who's a um, previous podcast guest, uh, mm. carpooling. So it's a bit of like a Caulfield clique driving into the Caulfield Commons. Crew, yeah. It's a little subculture that we've got going on that I'm kind of enjoying. It's great. I didn't know this like coming into Caulfield when we bought 
a few months ago and it just worked out perfectly. Mate, so. when you told me you were moving to Caulfield, I got so excited. I explained to you that we call it the bagel belt and there's a bit of discussion <laughs> about regionality. It was fantastic. It's great. Funnily enough, I haven't had a bagel yet, so... Mate, I've been, promi- into it. I've been promising to give you a tour of the um, some of the highlights of Corfield. I'll have to get it done soon. Mm. You put the pressure on now. <laughs> it's a promise <laughs> to the audience. Mate, welcome. Um, I'd love to hear a bit about your journey. Um, obviously, growing up um, in a different country is interesting mm. coming here. Take it away. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, so I was born in Canada um, and moved down to Perth and WA when I was 10 and uh, lived there for about 10, 10, 11 years. And then while I was there, I did my graphic design degree at ECU and then graduated and pretty much went straight to London and did a couple of years in London and um, sort of cut my teeth at a small studio over there. And then while I was over there, my parents actually moved here, and my sister did. To Melbourne? To Melbourne. Oh, nice. And um, I hadn't really even considered Melbourne while I was over there, but I thought, well, the whole family's over here now. Um, might as well give Melbourne a try and worked out perfectly. So the big smoke, the big smoke. Yeah, it was a nice transition actually having that London experience and being in a fast paced city, and then coming back to Australia. And Melbourne's kind of got best of both worlds of having that that city energy, but you can get down to the beach and escape that, which I love. Kind of growing up in WA, I surfed, you know, all through high school, and so I definitely miss the beach. So it's. Yeah, it's a perfect balance now. Well, Caulfield, you know, it's not the best beach area. It's, it just probably doesn't compare to <laughs> it's WA. To drive a little bit. But <laughs> got to drive a little yeah, bit. It's not five minutes down the road. Yeah, like it's it's not spectacular. It's, I wouldn't call it the um, the white, pearl, sandy, turquoise waters beaches of oh, WA. No, no, but I didn't even know about that um, stint in London. How was that for you and just career development was? That was good, mate. Yeah, it was definitely jumping into the, the deep end. Um, just as a fresh grad out of uni, I had no experience. Um <clears throat> So it worked out really well in the end. Did you have um, a job before you went or? No, no. I just got over there and just hoped for the best and got lucky really because it was during the GFC. So you know, unemployment was like 20% from my age bracket and it was challenging and I probably wasn't doing myself any favours at the beginning because I was sending out a cover letter to all these studios saying I'm an Australian, I'm a two-year visa. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, this guy's not long-term, like why bother and, <laughs> You're, you're promoting all the things that you thought maybe sounded attractive that exactly. you, like you had no idea that would make you like blacklisted. <laughs> 100% just shooting myself <laughs> in the foot. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, I'm a young temporary <laughs> prospect. You should hire me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'll be a great investment. Yeah, yeah. And luckily one guy did did see that and um, yeah, kind of stuck with it the whole time I was there. And, yeah, did you say fantastic. you're exactly what we're looking for, a temporary young <laughs> exactly. person from Australia? So you can leave us after two years. <laughs> And I think I was—I ended up being there for like a year, year and a half. Um, but for me, it was—it uh, was an amazing experience. Um, but I think the weather was the real trigger that really kind of pulled too me cold. back. It was too cold. But you—you yeah. you grew up in minus forties, didn't you? What city in Canada were you growing yeah, up? Yeah, so I was born in Winnipeg, in Manitoba. So yeah. that's quite brutal. Minus forty, you were saying, or something? Minus forty. It's yeah, cold. Depths of winter with the wind chill. It's yeah, it's pretty full on. So, do you were you reminded of that when it was um, three degrees the other morning when we carpooled? Which is like, this is like <laughs> Manitoba. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not <laughs> as bad. Probably oh, no. forty degrees warmer, but oh, the other day when it was like minus one and there was some frost on the on the window of the car, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, this is kind of like. Yeah, not the level that Canada was at, but yeah. just yeah, going back, you can see why my parents made that transition. It was such a great thing, and I guess being 
a kid, you're not dealing with it day to day, logistically going to work. It's just you're playing in the snow, or you're tobogganing down yeah, the hill. You get or to do the like fun that. stuff associated with cold, not the like hard knuckle stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So. No, it's the best move my parents ever made, I think. And um, what about sort of, I mean, that strikes me as a real shift in sort of tempo and pace, Perth to London. Mm. What was that like adapting? Because you're a fairly laid back cat. But most people might not know that about you, but yeah. you're like, um, you're a real, what I call a real Perth guy. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. I definitely struggled in that aspect because naturally just growing up in WA, it is like a laid back pace and I consider myself a laid back guy surfing every morning before school and work and, um, that was a challenge to adjust to that and you kind of you're not aware of it at the beginning but naturally all of a sudden you're starting to like pick up the pace when you're just walking around and going in the underground system and everyone's going at a fast pace and you kind of get swept up in that in London. Is it true what they say about like the tube how people um like everyone's just staring at the ground there's yes. not a, a lot of people looking up to see what's around it's totally. all like everyone's in their own fearful world of eye contact and shit yeah there's a lot of that yeah yeah it's um, different isn't it it is, and yeah, you kind of you in Australia. Notice. I feel like we look for eye contact, you know. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think I found it funny. I'd actually people watch. I found it fascinating. Um, yeah, so like the, the energy of London was was full on, um, and it was a just a novel experience which I loved. But I I knew that it was just going to be the two year visa window that I had. Um, I've got a lot of mates that stayed on and they, they love it, but I just knew that wasn't for me, so I was I was keen to come back to Australia. So you cut your teeth um, at a design agency, creative agency? Yeah, as a small startup agency actually. So it was a lot of graphic design, brand identities, websites, that sort of thing. Have you always been a very visual person? I have, yep, yep. Did art through, through school and, um, yeah, it's my number one love. And so, what do you like most about what you do? Oh, I think just the variety. Um being creative for a living, it's you know, it's a blessing. It's so good. Um, and I think it's, you know, I kind of, I didn't really know at the time, but I've just found myself in this space and what I've learned that I, why I'm loving it is is helping others, um, you know, with their vision of, of their business and where they want to take it. So doing that creatively and giving them those t- those tools um, is really rewarding. Yeah, you, you're one of these people who just seems to love your job and i it's not surprising to me. I mean, I sit probably two metres from you. You're always doing the coolest stuff. <laughs> um, but so did you always know that you wanted to have your own agency or your own studio? Um, I think at the, early on I was probably – I was keen to get into bigger studios. I, You know, there was this, um, this beauty and veneer of these established studios that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, and then I think just – Naturally, with with experiences that I had, I kind of felt like I wanted to go my own way and do my own thing. And yeah, starting off, I mean, I've been freelancing for oh, twelve years and, and doing A One Studio for probably a couple now. So, so A One Studio just sort of when you decide to go from full like, um, I would guess you'd say like casual freelancer to more professional freelancer. Like you have a bit of a brand name and your own identity and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, there was a kind of a shift from having my own personal name as the brand and being an individual as a freelancer to shifting into a, into a company and yeah. Um I still see you as an individual. I'm so still you, an individual. To yeah. me you're still Andrew yeah. or A1. It is. Yeah, and that's also part of the name A1 and being connected back to me but this focus on quality. So it's a, at a stage now where I'm looking to scale the business. You know, I've got a pool of freelancers that I pull from and you know What's more rewarding these days for me is probably 
collaborating with, with creatives. So um, it's not just me always on tools and I'm kind of now stepping back a little bit more and kind of coming from a creative direction or an art direction perspective sometimes. So that that's interesting just kind of, you know, over the last 10 years, a lot of it's just been me working by myself and it's quite autonomous, um, which is great, but I also crave that that interaction and the collaboration with others. What are, I mean, it's a different sort of field and um cadence working as a freelancer and your own sort of business because I imagine there's a lot of ups and downs in sort of demand for your work mm. but also lulls and so mm. is that challenging to manage? Yeah, there are ebbs and flows um, and it was kind of, you know, it's it's funny sometimes how, you know, you, you're quiet for a window and it might be, you know, a couple of weeks or a month and you're kind of wondering where the next thing's coming and then all of a sudden it floods in and you've got five or six projects on the go that you have to juggle. Um, nature of the business, but I'm definitely getting better at kind of managing that that flow now and it's, yeah, there are challenges like that. For sure. Yeah, because I, I reckon your personality type helps as well Like because I've seen you in your quieter periods and also, you know, currently in your busier periods and um, whilst you look, a, everyone looks a little bit more stressed when they're busy, you seemed not to be too concerned, like even in the quieter <laughs> periods or the busier periods. Probably like a duck looking calm on the surface. Grows <laughs> 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 underwater, stressing you out. Is that what's happening? I think so at times, yeah. Um, I mean, my approach, I'm quite slow and, and laid back and, you know, I'm very influenced by like Zen philosophies and I'm into meditation. So I try to like bring that into the work that I do and um, do everything in a very controlled, considered fashion. I don't think you get the best results from being – fast-paced and under pressure all the time, which, you know, is naturally it happens and there's quick turnarounds for projects. But um, So that naturally kind of separates you a bit from the whole agency hierarchical model where it's a bit of a pressure cooker? Potentially, yeah. There's like this kind of this energy of like churn and burn and naturally um, you get agencies that are really focused on profitability, not necessarily creative execution. Um, so it's just about getting it in the door and getting it back out again as quick as possible. Um, yeah. You're a multi-skilled fellow. I've seen you doing all number of things from photo shoots, which you do quite often, to de- mm. you know design, brand work, um, creative, social stuff. Um, did you learn how to be a photographer or how does that happen? Yeah, it's interesting. I, so I started off um, doing a graphic design degree and photography was always a side passion. Mm. Um, loved doing that, you know, travel photography and go on trips. And um, I did a couple of photography electives at uni. Um, but it was always a kind of a side thing um, and the design work was the big focus um, professionally. And then just kind of over the years, a lot of it's just self-taught um, and I think naturally with this, you know, the move of social media and doing the the brand identities for these companies, setting them up, um, social content was a huge thing. Um, creative assets for websites and all that sort of stuff was was needed. So photography felt like a natural add-on service and then kind of brought that into into the offering. And so now it's probably maybe a 60-40 split between graphic design, branding and, and photography. Do you ever get just like sole photography briefs or are they usually integrated kind of briefs? I, I do, yeah. Sometimes it's just photography. Yep. Um, which I love and I think that's the other thing. I love the variety that you get with photography. It also gets me away from the desk and being out in nature and interacting with people so you get, you get that social element as well. 
You get that in the carpool in the morning, though. I do. True. I should probably just give up and focus <laughs> on the carpool. <laughs> that definitely was not the correct takeaway there. Uh, Keep doing photography. You're very good at it. I've seen some of your work. Oh, thank you. But it must be pretty, pretty rewarding to do, I mean, the diversity of work, but also mm. just working with cool brands. Like you, mm. you work with this, um, one of these craft beer brands that it just looks phenomenal. Yeah. Tell us about that yeah, brief. Yeah, Lusseran. Oh, that's, that's a fantastic um, client and a, and a great um, – Oh, multiple jobs I've done with them over the last probably six years. La Seren. La Seren Brewing, yep. yeah. So they're in Alfington and they're fantastic. Um, family-owned business. They've been going for probably 12 years I'd say now um, and focused. It's unique. I guess like what I love is finding brands that have a, a really beautiful story to tell and uncovering that. Um, and this was exactly the case for La Seren where um, they're focusing on French and Belgian farmhouse ales, very specific, very niche within the beer world. Um, and they initially came to me with um, a label design request. So they had their existing core range, which was stylistically caught up in this Art Nouveau look and feel, which is essentially their brand. And they wanted a new range of labels um, in an avant-garde artistic style. So creatively... Um, the brief was very challenging and I kind of – I was looking at it and I started to step back and look at it a little bit more holistically and, and see that they didn't – they had a request for a label but they had a brand identity issue here because um, it was very much just locked into this Art Nouveau style so it didn't give them the flexibility to kind of grow as a brand and it was a little bit outdated. Um, so it was kind of – it ended up being a brand identity job through the back door of a, a design label. Which I think um, isn't uncommon from what I've experienced in the design world. You, you know, you think your problem is one thing and then you get told, no, it's actually this. Exactly. Um, it's a bigger yeah. piece of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the case of me upselling that and trying to get a brand identity job. It was just kind of going in and, and um, being transparent around the challenges of, of this and then, you know, just in the conversations we had, um, they realised, yeah, we need to, like, look at the brand and, and look at it um, as a bigger picture thing. Um, which turned into a full brand identity job and, you know, consequently it's just a, a huge range of labels and different categories now. So w- within that, um, the whole brand, I guess, and cost of the head brewer being a real innovator in the beer space, he's constantly bringing out new beers and trying to figure out where to place them. So a big challenge was thinking about systems for these beers and creating a cohesive system across the board. So a beer, a new beer that he bring along, you knew where to kind of place that. It's beautiful branding as well. I mean, I think um, on one of the Friday nights um, before the Commons drinks, you cracked open a bottle of La Serena mm. and it just went down a tree. <laughs> yeah. And I also admired the aesthetics and I didn't know it was your work. I wouldn't have been so complimentary if I did know it was your work, but, mm. you know. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice backhander there for you. <laughs> oh, I do. It's one of my favourite clients, Um so it's yeah, it's in a very good space now where the language has been updated and it's kind of it's now with the time. So it's you know the, one of the taglines is a a modern day window into old world techniques. Oh, that's cool. Um, so so you were saying that were they using was it? I could be confusing my clients here of yours or someone else's, but was this the client that was sort of taking um, wine, things about wine, and then integrating them into kind of craft beer? Totally, yeah. So Costa's background is in winemaking, so he was really taking that winemaking philosophy into the beer world. Um, 
which the complexity of beer is huge. I, I didn't know getting into it. And um, it was also a thing where, the, you know, they had a range which was more c- complex like saisons and saisonettes and, and all these things that I didn't know and they're, they're bottled in champagne bottles. So the average person might think that they're wine. Um, and that was another challenge to kind of reposition the brand slightly to, to cater for an audience like me that are used to drinking pale ales and, you know, tinnies and yep. so um it's a more sophisticated uh drinking experience yeah um with the intent hey babe what you got there this is a check from carvana i just sold my car to them i went online and carvana gave me an offer right away then they just picked up the car and gave me this oh that's a big check well obviously you could put this towards your next car or we could finally get that jacuzzi or i could start taking tuba lessons or i could quit my job and write my memoir or i can put it towards my next car with carvana sorry your check not mine sell your car to carvana visit carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds and to then once they kind of get these um these new drinkers on to to help them graduate into these more complex beers, which I feel like I'm the um, the perfect case in point for that because I was almost struggling a little bit with some of the beers at the early stages and now I love them. It's so interesting because I feel like one thing to pull out is that you clearly have a strong sense of connection to your clients and you know you, you want to know about them and you want to connect with their personal story. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the aspect that um, you want to um, – your kind of awareness of their market strategy is really important too and how they will reach the customer. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think that's that's where you get um, deeper, better results is really kind of focusing on, on the strategy first and thinking about where the brand is going to be positioned, looking at the competitive landscape, um, extracting out those insights at the early stages to then inform a visual language that comes later that's underpinned by the strategy so you don't get this trend-driven or superfluous sort of creative outcome um, that needs to be updated very quickly because it hasn't got that kind of deep bedded backstory to it or that strategy. Yeah, that's it's that's significant. And, and like this is a question that, you know, would be tricky for anyone to answer, but is it a different experience where you've got that real connection to a brand and you're doing that work or, or the product versus where it's a bit like, okay, um, electric drills, like they're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you need and I can do that, yeah. but I'm not big on drills. Yeah, and maybe, maybe there's, you know, if I get an electric drill, Inquiry that comes through. <laughs> um, there could be a story that's uncovered that gets me really passionate yeah. about electric could, drills. Could be like um, a person who's been like um, used to have manual drills back in the 1500s. The family line has continued <laughs> exactly, until yeah. today. It was in regional Belgium, and like you might get really attracted totally, to it. Totally, yeah. yeah. It might be something you just don't know. So uh, on the There's face something of it, when that first comes in, yeah, you might think that it's not immediately exciting or something that you you know or love. Um, but then just by by listening to the client and having them tell their story, that's really it's really about listening at the beginning. So that's how you find your way in. You, you have to like um, there will always be something about a story of um, innovation or product development that you'll just say, yeah, that's, mm. that's my jam. Ideally, yeah. And that's that's the, um, the companies and the brands that I really resonate with are the ones that have thought about that and want to tell, tell a story on a deeper level. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's really interesting. So 
you've got a bit of a full suite because you're doing the photography, you're doing the um, brand identity work, you're doing graphic design, you're doing design for socials. What am I missing? You're doing a bit of video stuff as well or? Yeah, I dabble in video a little bit. Um, I guess um, one thing for, for, for a lot of these projects, it's just been providing the service, um, sending the invoice and, you know, having a relationship with these clients over the years. Um, every now and then you get an opportunity that comes along where you get equity in the business, um, which was the case probably about five years ago um, where a couple of friends started up a brand called Thongs. Oh, it's a great brand. Yeah, so that's... Um, that's your boy. You showed me Thongs before. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a, almost a side hustle now. Um, which, you know, early stages, um, they offered me equity in the business and I accepted. So then, you know, became three of us as partners early on. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating because uh, it's the classic startup tale of, you know, Scott and Mark, that two of the, um, the partners sitting in a pub talking about the lack of Australian-made products. And thongs came up and then we thought, they said, well, why don't we start a, Thongs brand, and so that was the <laughs> that was the, the start of it. And then they brought me on to, to do the brand how many, identity um, and the content. And how many beers deep were they at that point? Probably a few. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a great idea. Here we go. Yeah. This is definitely yeah. the right idea for yeah. right now. But see, I reckon very few of those things turn into real things. Yeah, so that's pretty indeed. And I think um, you know anything worth doing, it's not going to be easy. It, um, and it hasn't been the case for Thongs. Naturally, you can see why there aren't any. Australian-made thongs on the market besides us now. It's a cost thing. It's or? a cost thing. It's challenging. Um, supplies in Australia are pretty rare um, and not really that willing to, to do it. Everything's off offshore and, and cheaper. So for profitability, um, it makes sense um, to go overseas. But we thought, you know, thongs are such an iconic piece of footwear in Australia. There needs to be an Australian-made pair of thongs. Love it. So we, we had a crack. We're still having a crack. It's, I think, about five years now. And how's the crack going? Good, yeah, really, really good. So it's a it's an online business, um, and the second kind of arm to that is is more B two B. So we're getting a lot of corporate um, inquiries, branded thongs for conferences, branded thongs, exactly. Yeah, maybe people could wear thongs to conferences instead of like fancy shoes. That could be the next. That's the thing. Australian way. That's isn't the it? Australian way to yeah. do business and attend 100%. conferences. I yeah. love it. Very cool. So many strings to the bow and many things to focus on. Another client that I thought I would just give you a chance to highlight is I saw mm. your awesome work. This is just based on me, basically, what I've seen walking past your desk and having a cheeky, mm. you know, like peek. But um, <laughs> Startup Vic. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic client. Oh, that was that was amazing. Just a recently um, completed project with them. Um, absolute legends. Um, that was that was really interesting because, um, yeah, just sitting um, one pot away. Yeah, because um, they were on the other side of the desk to me, Paz and the crew. Yeah, yeah, Paz and Vicky and Sam. And, um, yeah, they came needing a brand refresh, which was interesting because I think the initial brand that they had was oh, man, that's an probably old, set up in so 2014 or yeah. something. Um, so the business had grown, it had evolved, but the brand hadn't come with it and it was kind of stuck and restrictive in a lot of ways. So the brief was really to improve the website one but also create a brand language that was flexible and you know um, gave them the ability to to move forward and speak in a lot of different ways um, with a lot more excitement I guess so flexibility was a huge thing for that that project um, you know just bring in 
you know, a range of new colours and also the focus was giving um, the internal team a toolkit really to, to allow them to, to work across so many different channels. Um, so a big focus was really empowering the team um, with a new brand language that was, was easy to use and user-friendly. And so um, what's the process like when a startup Vic will come to you, sort of fairly, you know, startup-focused innovation agency and they've got this sort of, I don't want to say crusty, but I will because um, <laughs> I know that it's a sort of a bit of a dated kind of um, piece yeah. and it doesn't really reflect sort of the techie or innovation side of what they do. Mm. How do you start that origin story or, you know, how, how do you start your research? What's that like? I guess it's, again, like listening, sitting down, having a bit of a discovery session with the team. Um, and this was interesting because um, Vicky, the CEO, had already done a lot of that strategy work herself and was bringing that to the table. So it was kind of easy to run with that straight away. Um, but naturally you kind of go into a research stage and um, look at the landscape, figuring out from a creative standpoint visually where you can differentiate um, but then also because all that strategy was there, um, getting the creative pinned pin back to that. So again, it just comes back to the, the creative really being locked into the strategy so it, it makes sense. So the logo mark uh, we, we nicknamed BMO because um, the huge focus was them. You know, they're essentially providing this this space for growth and it's, you know, you, you meet this, the startup Vic girls, they're all super energetic and bubbly and there's a lot of positive energy there. Um, so the BMO really represented um, the beaming faces of the startup community um, that they're, they're harnessing as well as the actual physical roof beams of the commons that a lot of these events are being held under. Um, and as well, it has this kind of upward trajectory um, feeling to it so this idea of growth and ascension came in so all of this is really baked into a logo mark that comes back to the strategy of what they're talking about so interesting it's almost like an ethnographic journey isn't it it's like a meaning making yeah absolutely yeah yeah um and a, a lot of people might look past that but when you when you tell the story or you know you sit with the logo mark or a typographic logo or, or something for a while and then you can start to to see these things that might be hidden at first sight how do you work with people who are a bit visually hopeless, um, like like me? You know, like I, I um, I'm mainly a written, reading, mm. oral person, so yeah. I understand sounds and writing and sort of text a lot better than I understand images. Mm. Is it challenging to work? Have you worked with people like that? And do you have sort of approaches to work with maybe the visually agnostic? You'd call it. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think. Because I think a lot of people would probably serve up briefs where they don't really get visual talk or language or yeah. or even, you know, if you show them something, they'll be able to say, I like that Absolutely. or I don't like that, but yeah. maybe they won't have a lot more to offer. Yeah, yeah. I think um, just by listening in, what I tend to do is try to reflect back what, what they've said to me in visual form. Mm. Um, so early stages it can be, you know, stylescaping or, or, you know, essentially mood boards. So you're kind of creating visual pathways to kind of potentially go down with a client before you actually get stuck into designing an ID. So just by reflecting back what they've said in visual form with a couple of different directions, quite often that's that's enough for someone that might not consider themselves, you know, visual in that sense to really lock on. They can, they can see it um, and, you know, naturally 
that sits more in the feeling space. You're really trying to feel out the, the path that you want to then so sort of like go down. emotionally It's driven. an emotional thing. Yeah, so I understand emotions occasionally, <laughs> um, but, you know, visual, it's making that emotional visual connection. Yeah. That's very interesting. That yeah, makes absolutely. a lot of sense. Yeah. And so where are you at with A1 today? Because, I mean, I, I see you pounding the keyboard and, you know, you just treated yourself to a one-week break, but the rest of the time <laughs> you look like an exhausted zombie just plodding around at all hours. Yeah, yeah. What's the story? You, you were over, you still overloaded or? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to a, sp- a stage now where I'm kind of, I'm at capacity um, to be holding on to what I am by myself um, and I'm very much keen to, to engage some others and I'm looking to get on a, a junior creative um, just to help out with the workload, and is this the first job ad? Could be, yeah. Get in touch with Andrew. Out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll look out. <laughs> Show notes. Uh, we'll pop your link through to the PD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's no PD. You just have to call Andrew. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting, man. Yeah. And, and so this this has come at an exciting time for you. The holiday was um pretty big experience. Yeah, it was fantastic. So um. Yeah, it was a it's a great holiday. Big news! I um ended up proposing and got engaged, which is fantastic. Congratulations! Thank you, mate. Yeah, it's huge. So that was up in Port Douglas. Um, yeah, much much needed break, really. Um, did you design the ring or any of the surroundings, or do you do like a <laughs> brand identity for the engagement? <laughs> should I should I say? This? <laughs> uh, sadly, as a designer, I, I didn't design it. It was. Pre-designed. And how was your speech? Did you get a speechwriter in to well, help you with some of the language? I, I, I kind of failed at this really. <laughs> I, I had all these things scripted in my head and tried to go off the cuff and uh, ended up just all that went out the window completely and I just kind of blurred out, will you marry me? It's okay to get let the emotions take a hold of such a special moment. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, have I told you my engagement story before? I don't think you have, no. I will. I'll, I'll just um, I'll treat our guests and you to this lovely little tale of uh, awkwardness that pretty much summarises my life. <laughs> Um, so I took Louise out to um, a steak restaurant in the in the city. Um, can't remember what it's called. It's one of those um, really nice ones on the South Bank mm. and made the booking, um, got the ring organised. And nice. the, the ring, I was wearing a um, pair of jeans and um, they're a bit tight and the, the ring was sort of um, in a box. So it was sort of poking a Could little bit. Oh, okay. So the square out. shape was looking a little bit off. I'd be concerned that yeah. maybe she'd pick up on that. She did it, which is good. Um, and so we get to the restaurant, we're sitting there, and um, where is a really tight booth, so it wasn't the seating arrangement that was very amenable mm-hmm. to a good proposal situation. Um, and so, we, we, you know, we're halfway through the steak, and you never like when you're eating a steak. There's never a good moment. And it was a really expensive steak as well. So, just Did you thought the steak? I was too nervous. I was like, how many more bites do I take before <laughs> it's the right time to do the proposal? So, got about halfway through this eighty dollar piece of meat or whatever it was, and then um, realized that there was not enough room to get down on one knee next to the table because oh. there was another old couple sitting right there next to us. <laughs> and so I start reaching to my pocket and this couple is so close to us that they're watching everything. And so oh. one of them turns to the other and goes, I reckon he's about to propose. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure's on. Yeah, it was oh. a lot of pressure and I'm not sure whether Louise heard that, but at that, at that moment I was like, oh, just shut up. Like, don't, don't script this. Don't stop watching. Eat your steak. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so they watched the whole thing, and I did propose despite the the fantastic. The, the, oh. And so I popped it out and said, "Oh, look, you know, gave a little spiel speech or whatever." And then we marry me. Um, she we both cried and very excited. And then the, the um the couple just turns immediately and says, "Well done." 
Well, 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 done. well, well done. Everything from the beginning. Well done. You nailed that. <laughs> they washed the entire thing. So they had front row. I'd never oh. seen this couple again, but they just washed the entire thing. And wow. just thinking, how good would that have been to just watch oh, absolutely. the whole thing yeah. end to end? Special for them as well. Yeah. So they were an um, important part of my um, developmental That's journey. That's amazing. Not sure if they know that, but. Um, <laughs> So, yes, uh, our best laid intentions will sometimes go awry, but it sounds like you did a great job and um, you've come back in one piece and you look like yeah. a very happy man. Thank you, mate. Yeah, definitely feeling recharged and very happy. Um, so, yeah, in a great space. Yeah, fantastic. By the way, um, Louise uh, was upset at me from that moment on because she didn't finish the steak and she's like, I can't believe you didn't wait till we were finished our steaks. They're $80 <laughs> each. What a waste. <laughs> Did you go back and finish the steaks afterwards? No, this is no. We got a bit carried away in the moment, and we also wanted to get away from the couple that were observing the entire fair enough. So, it is what it is, (laughs) mate. um, Just a tip on well-being. You know, you you work yourself into the ground sometimes, and you know you're pretty, um, you know, committed to your work. You can hear that through your love of your clients and the work that you do. Mm. Um, You talked about being a bit zen and inspired by zen philosophy. Obviously, surfing is not. Is easy option here in the mornings? Like what do you kind of turn to now to kind of replenish yourself and maintain your well-being? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, it used to be surfing. That was my um, grounding force and I definitely found that very meditative. <clears throat> um, these days it's actually meditation, which is fantastic that they have meditation on, on Thursdays at the Commons here. Mm. Um, other than that, it's swimming. Um, you like to swim in the ocean or the pool? Uh, both at this stage, it's the pool, which um, I'm not doing a whole lot of at the moment, but um, it's got the same sort of effects as, as surfing for me. Um, I do love running. Um, I used to be big into tennis, but I'm not really playing that so much anymore. So I'll play I, you in tennis. I'm we'll, terrible we'll and I can't game. turn, yeah. but it'll be fun. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah, I think be a good challenge for both of us. Yeah, I um, I think with sports like that. Um, and sport, I, f- I find, can be very meditative because it forces you just to be in the zone focusing on one thing, so it quiets the mind. Um, yeah, so probably sw- swimming and running at this stage. A um, bit of meditation to help out, but, yeah, I definitely need to practice more. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, you've got great fashion. How would you describe your fashion sense? <laughs> Hardest question out of all. <laughs> Save it for last, mate. Oh, I'm probably very monochromatic. You know, you see me, I'm always wearing... Wearing black, um, understated. I love it. Um, just simple, I don't know, maybe it's the Steve Jobs thing. You just wear black and you have to think about <laughs> too much and think about all these and other things. Not saying you're in a turtleneck yet, mate. <laughs> no, Might no. be your next that acquisition. Be, yeah, yeah. Um, who's got a better fashion sense, you or Dean? Oh, Dean for sure. Yeah, he's he's the style lord. Yeah, okay, agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> but that's that's fine. We can hash that out over another movie marathon. Yeah. Um, and, mate, how did you get into hats? Because you've got a, unlike me, you have a um, beautiful head of hair, but you're always wearing the coolest hats. When did the hat Thank thing you, come sir. in? Uh, it probably came in when my hair gets too long and I'm having a bad hair day and, you know, then I started putting a hat on and um, I've got a very small head. So Me too. Hats are challenging for me and then once I lock on to a style, I have to stick with that. Birds of Condor, just a little shout out. Yeah, yeah, Birds of Condor are great. Um, I'm probably pushing the boundaries there. My partner doesn't really... <laughs> <laughs> that fit me as well like as the hat I'm wearing now. But, oh. yeah. Is this a Birds of Condor number? It's not. No. What, is, what is it? This is Norse Projects. So, oh, that's yeah, the other one. I've pumping up a couple up. of different brands here. I, bought, I buy every hat that you tell me about, so Norse Projects is going straight in my little diary now. Yeah, anyway, hats is probably not the most interesting subject for other people. I'm glad we got onto <laughs> it, though. 
<laughs> Mate, how can people um, connect with you and learn a little bit more about A1 and potentially also join your team or just engage with your services? Yeah. Well, if they wanted to check out some work, uh, the website's a1.studio. Um, on Instagram, it would be underscore a1studio. Those would probably be the two two key channels. The gram is where you really showcase and come into your own. The gram, yeah. A lot of it's offline at the moment. So I'm um, at a stage where I really need to start putting out the work because it's so much of it's behind closed doors at the moment. So a lot of it's kind of outdated or, or offline. Um, but, yeah, probably the website. Fantastic. Yeah. Mate, lovely having you in. Um, if people want to um, connect with you personally, is there a way they can do that? E- email, LinkedIn, where, where's good? Yeah, probably email or, or LinkedIn mm-hmm. as well. Works yep. for me, yeah. So do they just look up Andrew Kuypers and they'll find you? Email is andrew at a1.studio. Oh, yep. fantastic. Fantastic. Well, the Russian bots and spammers will have a field day now. <laughs> there so. <we> go. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, been lovely to be with you this morning and uh, thanks for coming on. Mate, thanks for having me. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.